Hello, brethren. Welcome, family, to yet another life class. We're in for a great time. Wasn't last week Wednesday phenomenal? We had a tremendous time in the presence of the Lord as we learned about the joy, strength, connection. Hallelujah. God is good. Let's get into the word for today. You don't want to enjoy this word just by yourself, so you want everybody that you know to join you. So can you go ahead right now and send out a text message, a WhatsApp message to as many people as you know and encourage them to come and join in tonight's life class. It's all about rejoicing, rejoice with the emphasis on the joy. Hallelujah. Our pilot text today is taken from the book of James chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This scripture shows us God's intent for you and for me. God's intent is, we see in the end, God's intent is shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom, shalom. God wants us to be perfect, complete or entire, lacking nothing. Uh, despite whatever is going on around you, God's intention for you has not changed. God has not changed his mind. Even with the pandemic, even with various variants, even with all these challenges that we see, the constant barrage of bad news, God hasn't changed his mind as regards you, as regards me, as regards his desire and his intent for us. And it is that will be perfect, complete, entire, lacking nothing. God is going to see you through whatever you're going through and is going to bring you to that place of perfection by his mighty hand in the mighty name of of Jesus. I am fully persuaded that he that has begun this good work in you, he will bring it to completion even in the final day because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. I decree and declare he perfects all that concerns you. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 lets us know that his thoughts towards us are not of evil but of good, of hope, to give us a future and a hope or bring us to an expected end. This is God's heart towards you. However, to get to this end, there is a pathway because it's not a one-day journey. It's a lifetime journey. It's a journey. And while you're going through the process, the pathway, the journey, you've got to learn to count. Our text says, count it all joy when you're going through the journey. Count it all joy when, you're going, when you go through various tests and trials. Count it all joy. The simple subject of my teaching tonight is count it all joy. Amen. Let's pray. Mighty Father, take complete control, I pray. I ask that you speak through me like never before. I stir up the giftings within and prophetic unction upon that I speak a word in season. I do no injustice to your word, but I rightly divide it in the name of Jesus. Unveil great truths to us today that by reason of those truths will be elevated to a new level of experience. 
with you. Let the yokes of sadness, of sorrow, of depression be shattered today and let great joy envelope our hearts and our minds and, and unleash us onto new realms and levels in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I trust you to do more than I've asked because I've asked in the mighty name of Jesus. And the people said aloud, Amen, Amen. Type Amen in the feed right now. Facebook, YouTube, let me know that you are here. Give some thumbs up, some hearts, and let's participate together in the presence of the Lord. One of the chapters of the Bible that I particularly love is the book, is in the book of Romans and chapter 8. It's such a rich, it's a long chapter, but it's so full of truth. And one of the key verses or a uh, couple of verses that really, really uh, appeal to me is from Romans 8 and verse 28, where it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Then he goes on and he says, For whom he foreknew, he predestined. And whom he predestined, he, uh, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that the, who was the first, firstborn. Then he goes on, that whom he predestined, he called. And whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, he glorified. Hallelujah. Can I announce to you that your destination is glory? Woo! Hallelujah. In this, this statement, we see a process. We see a journey. We see a pathway, a pathway from foreknowledge to predestination to calling to justification to glorification. And this destination that God has for you is what I call destination glory. He intends for you to get to glory. He wants you glorified. But you have to go through the prior pathway to get to the destination that is called glory. I don't have the time this evening and it is not the, my focus this evening, but let me quickly sort out if, a little bit about the pathway that leads there. Because some people will say that God has predestined you to this or predestined you to that, predestined some people to heaven and predestined some people to hell. Well, that devil is a liar. I do not agree with that thought. Or why? Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light in whom there is no variableness nor the shadow of turning. Because God is altogether good. Because God desires that all men, not some men, that all men would be saved and come to the knowledge of of the truth because the thoughts of God towards us are not of evil but of good to bring us to an expected end. Therefore, it is contradistinctive, it is contradictory to the character of God for him to predestinate anyone to evil. It doesn't agree with who he is. His predestination for each and every one of us, for your uncle, your auntie, even your, that, that person that's blaspheming a God, against God right now, God's predestination for that person is still to get to glory. Therefore, when you understand that about God, you look at these portion of scripture in a different way and in a different light. Whom he foreknew, he predestined. So because God is God, he foreknows all things. Foreknowing something doesn't mean you are the one that made it happen. You just knew it was going to happen. So he knows our proclivities. He knows us through and through. And based upon the foreknowledge, he predestines you. What does he predestine you to? He predestines you to glory. That's his intention, that you will get to glory. That's God's intention. Listen to what he says about uh, um, uh, Isaiah when he says, 
before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came forth out of the womb, I predestined you. So predestination is always based on foreknowledge. Foreknowledge of your choices or your, of your proclivities, he then makes a predestination for you. And then the next step is calling. So now you're born and you're living in time, exercising your right of choice, and he starts to call you. What's he calling you to? He's calling you to the earlier predestination that he made for you, which is glory. Now, if you are, are, are respond to that calling in the affirmative, if you say yes to the calling of God, then you move on to justification. He justifies you as if you never committed any sin, as if you never did anything wrong. He says, I justify this person. I endorse this person. And from justification, he moves you on to glorification. But you start to see that the key point in this whole process is the middle step, the calling step. This is where you get to determine whether you move on to the predestination of God or you take a detour to another dis destination, uh, wide is the way that leadeth to destruction. Hmm. So you've got to respond to God's calling in the affirmative. You've got to say yes to the calling of God to get with his plan. So there's a process from foreknowledge to predestination to calling to justification to glorification. The point of all of this is to show you that there's a journey, there's a pathway, there's a way you go through to get to where you are going to. And along this journey, there are certain things you must learn. There are certain skills you must acquire on your journey to glory. And today, one of the skills I want to emphasize that you must acquire is you've got to learn how to count. You've got to learn how to count it all joy. How to count it all joy. So we go back to our text and let's look at our text once again. It says here in our text, in James chapter 1 verse 2, it says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. The original King James translation says that word temptation is also translated trials. Um, knowing th that the testing or the trial of your faith worketh patience, it produces patience. Um, but then let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Okay, so that's our pilot text. And in our pilot text, we see a journey. He says, count it all joy, joy. Then he says, when you fall into diverse trials, that's another step in the journey. Then it, the trial of your faith, another step in the journey. Let patience have a perfect work, another step in your journey. And the end of the journey is perfection. The end of the journey is glory, perfection, complete, lacking nothing. So he's saying that for you to get to that end of perfection, completion, lacking nothing, shalom, shalom, you count it all joy, you endure trials and testing, your faith is tested, you, 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 you give patience all the room and then you get to the destination. Now we're going to very quickly work from the end to the means. We're going to move backwards and look at the various key things you need to have acquired, you need to exercise yourself in on your journey to glory, on your journey to perfection, on your journey to lacking nothing, on your journey to shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Number one, he says, let patience, I'm walking backwards, let patience have her 
perfect work. You need patience in order to inherit the promise. It's going to take some time to get to this destination called glory, called perfection. So you need to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. I talked a little bit about this last week, Wednesday, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Let's be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You see, you don't just need faith, you also need patience. Why? Because faith is inherently um, impatient or frustrating because faith is always now. It's already done. Uh, but it takes time for what is already done in the heavenlies to manifest in the earthlies. So you have need of patience. So patience helps you to handle the frustration of your faith. Uh, patience tells you that though it tarries, it will not tarry. It will come to pass. Help me tell your neighbor. Help me send a text to somebody, a WhatsApp to another, or write, type in the feed right now. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Wait for it. It will still happen. So the, the, the a skill you must acquire is learning to let patience have a perfect work in your life. Number two, it says the tri talks about the trial of your faith. So you need to keep your faith alive. You need to keep your faith. You need to keep your faith online. You've got to, to keep your faith alive and well. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Your faith is key. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. This is why the enemy will always try to attack your faith and rob you of your faith because he knows how important your faith is. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35 says that you should hold on to your faith. Don't let it go for it has great recompense of reward. It will produce for you a reward. So you mustn't let go of your faith. It's just a matter of, of time. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith will produce what you need. Okay, so whatever you do, don't let go of your faith because it's going to produce what you need. Hallelujah. Help me tell your neighbor. Help me type, type in the feed. Once again, Facebook, YouTube, hold on to your faith. Hold on to your faith. Number three, we're going backwards. We moved from patience. We're talking about faith. Now it talks about trials and tests. Uh, and tests uh, and temptations, if you like. Uh, you have to embrace the reality of tests and trials. The truth is a lot of us wants, want the testimonies and the triumph, but there's no pathway to the testimony and the triumph without uh, the test and the trial. There's no testimony without a test. There's no triumph without a trial. There's no victor without the vanquished. There's no gain without pain. There's no promotion without an examination. We've got to embrace the reality of tests and trials on this side of eternity. On this earthly terrain that we walk, we will encounter tests and trials. Tests and trials should not be strange to us. Listen to what Peter wrote in 1 Peter and chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. It says, Beloved, Think it not strange. Don't think this is strange. Stop asking why. Why am I being tested? Why am I being tried? Why? Why not? 
Why not is the question, you know. If you are a believer and you are not in heaven yet, you will be tested and you will be tried. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. It describes the trial is fiery. The fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. A lot of believers behave as if it's so strange that they're going through a trial. Why would Paul tell Timothy that he should endure hardness like a good soldier of Christ? But what does he tell you to tell you to do? He tells you, but rejoice. Hallelujah. Rejoice. <laughs> Woo! But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So you've got to embrace the reality of tests and trials upon the earth on, in your journey to glory. Then we get to the final ingredient, ingredient, which is the first ingredient, ingredient, which is joy. It says, count it all joy. The final ingredient on our pathway to, the, to greatness is joy. To perfection is joy. To shalom, it's joy. This is the real meat. This is the heart of my message. This is where I really wanted to go. You've got to learn how to count it all joy. What an instruction. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. What an instruction. How? The instruction was to count it all joy. It didn't say count it some joy. He says count it all joy. What is all? All is everything. All is nothing is excluded. What a challenge this is. I have a problem with this instruction. I, I, I might have been able to understand if he had said I should count some things joy because some things naturally are cause for rejoicing. But when he says I should count all things joy, that creates a problem for me because there are certain things that are, are not pleasant to me, that are negative to me, that are heartbreaking to me, that are heartrending to me. And if I'm to obey this instruction, it's telling me that even those things that my head struggles to get around, even those things, I am meant to count them all joy? How? How? Uh, and you know, I've, I've taught this before and I'll repeat it again. It's only God that really qualifies to use the word all. Because anytime you and I use the word all, it's not really all. When we use the word all, we're saying as far as we know. We're saying all within the realm of our, in the, within the sphere of our knowledge, in this, within the uh, arena of what we know. And there's always something we don't know. So our all might not really be all. But when God says all, because there is nothing that he does not know, there is nothing outside the realm of his knowledge, his all is all. His all excludes nothing. He says, count it all joy. And it's interesting how God sometimes and maybe even often uses that word all. Uh, he, he almost uses it as if it is going out of fashion or something, as if that word is about to disappear. Like when he says, give thanks in all situations. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. My goodness, not in some situations, not in most situations, but in all situations, in everything, give thanks thanks. I can understand if he says I should give thanks um, in, in, in some situations, but in all situations. Now I even understand it a little bit better because he didn't say give thanks for all situations, but in all situations. 
all right? Because not all situations were engineered, initiated, or created by God. But he's saying, whatever the situation it is that you find yourself in, still give me the thanks. Why? Because the thanks is your bridge out of it. Woo! Hallelujah. That's a word for somebody right now. The thanksgiving in the midst of that situation you don't understand is your bridge out of that situation. And really, when you understand the power and the might of your God, you even get to the place where you can thank God for all situations because you know that all things, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, are working together for your good. Count it all joy. Hey, so the all includes everything. That means I'm supposed to count the good, the bad, and the ugly. The ups and the downs, the pleasant and the unpleasant, the blue and the red. All is all. I'm to count it all a joy. How is that possible? Pastor, you don't know the pain I feel. You don't know the confusion that's in my mind. You don't know the pressure I'm going through. And you're telling me that God expects me to count it all a joy? I understand the theology and the philosophy of this instruction, but I struggle with the practicality of it. How exactly am I supposed to count it all joy? Whew. And I've come to understand that any revelation that doesn't ultimately translate into an, a practical uh, application is not worthy of explanation. So I'm still struggling with the question of how to count it all, all joy. Someone please tell me, how do I count it all joy? Pastor, help me out here because I'm in pain, I'm in confusion, i got questions. How do I obey the instruction to count it all joy? I sat down, I grappled with this question myself, and this is the way I often go into God's Word. I go and I ask God questions. And to really understand how to count it all joy from this scripture, we need to go back to the basics and possibly back to our first lessons on counting. How did you first learn how to count? Can you remember? A lot of us can't remember because it was so, so young. But if you can remember, how did you learn how to count? Uh, you, you know, you probably were given things to count and they told you to count it. They taught you the numbers and then you, you had to learn how to count it. And maybe you had a bowl of pebbles and um, you had to count it and you would pull one pebble and say one and you pull another pe 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 pebble and you say two and you pull another pebble and you say three and you do that to count. Uh, um, now, when you are looking at the bowl of pebbles, at best you could only guess how many pebbles were in the bowl. But for you to know exactly how many pebbles were in the bowl, you had to start counting them one by one to finally come to the conclusion of how many bowls were in, uh, how many pebbles were in the bowl. What am I trying to say? You will tell you we count by we count by separating things. We were only able to count by separating them, by separating them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, 
six, seven. We, we counted by separating. Uh, when we were small, we started to learn to count. We had to physically separate things to be able to count them. But as we mastered the skill of counting, we, uh, in, in a lot of circumstances, we no longer had to physically separate things. We could actually separate them in our mind and count. Whenever things are too muddled up together, we would have increasing difficulty in being able to count them because they're so muddled together that we are unable to separate them. Oh my, I hope you're getting this. This seems simple, but if you get it, it's quite profound. So what I want to submit to you is that the essence of counting is in your ability to separate things, whether mentally or physically. Come on. Note it that note it down right now. Get it get it in your spirit. The the essence of counting, the essence of being able to count is the ability to separate things, whether mentally or physically. You cannot count without separating things first. Counting is therefore based on the principle of separation. You've got to learn to separate things. <laughs> if you can't separate it, you can't count it. Did you get that? If you can't separate it, you can't count it. If you can't separate it, you can't count it. Now understand, counting is based upon your ability to separate things. Now, if you understand that definition of counting, uh, then you start to understand uh, that when God tells you to count it all joy, he's actually telling you to separate things. If you can't count without separating, when God tells you to count it all joy, he's actually asking you or telling you to separate some things. He's asking you to separate the pain from the gain. And so then you'll be able to count the pain a joy. Because you realize that the pain was working together for you, uh, the gain. Woo! Hallelujah. He's asking you to separate the trial from the triumph. So then you are able to count even the trial a joy because you could not have the triumph without the trial. This is the only way you are able to count all things joy. Count it all joy. You've got to separate the test from the testimony to be able to count the test in and of itself a joy because it was necessary for the production of your testimony. You've got to be able to pull out the advantage out of the disadvantage because that's only when you'll be able to count the disadvantage as a joy. Ha, Yabos! I hope you're getting this. You've got to separate the delay from the reward uh, because you realize now that the delay is actually a joy because it made the reward all that much more sweeter. So now I can count the delay a joy. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to separate the painful experience from the invaluable lesson that you learnt 
Because it's only when you are able to separate the two that you can now look at that painful experience and count it a joy because it is what, that, what taught you the invaluable lesson that is benefiting you today. Separate in order to count it a joy. You've got to separate the reality of not having any money in your bank account right now with the promise of divine provision in, in, in order to be able to count this temporary circumstance uh, of having a low bank balance uh, uh, with the ultimate joy of God blessing you to overflow. You've got to be able to separate uh, uh, the, the experience of being dumped by somebody that promised to marry you uh, from the promise uh, of uh, proper and worthy companionship uh, in your near future in order to be able to count the dumping experience uh, as a joy. Uh, can I talk to somebody? When God finally settles you in that divine relationship uh, with that correct godly spouse you are going to want to go back to the person that dumped you and blow them a kiss and say thank you for dumping me because if you had not dumped me i would not have met this uh, wonderful anointed wise and loaded spouse that i have right now so now you look back at the pain of being dumped dumped and you call it a joy you've got to be able to separate the denial from the expected affirmation of uh, confirmation in your life in order to be able to count even the denial uh, of joy. You've got to learn to count it all joy. Do you understand? Am I speaking to you? You've got to separate uh, the unfulfilled promise you thought would get fulfilled right now uh, with the ultimate fulfillment of that promise uh, only for you to now look and realize that if it had been fulfilled when you wanted it to be fulfilled what would have been what should have been a blessing would have been a curse because you were not yet prepared for it now you count it a joy uh, it is no longer the negative experience you thought that it was you've got to separate your mortgage from your faith cage uh, so that you can now count the mortgage a joy because your faith is well able to handle it oh is anybody hear me what I'm saying? Count it all joy. There is no other way to count but through the principle of separation. It is only through this principle of separation that I am able to count all things a joy. And therefore, you've got to stop mixing everything together. You've got to separate your strengths from your weaknesses so that you can turn around and count even your weaknesses a joy because they serve as the background backdrop and contrast to your strengths and helps them to become a better spotlight and appreciation of those strengths. You've got to separate it to count it. You've got to separate it to count it. That your fail doesn't make you a 
failure. That you messed up doesn't make you a mess up. That it didn't work today doesn't mean that it won't, you won't find a way to make it work tomorrow. Count it all joy. Can you help me preach even today? Can you deputize for me and send a text or WhatsApp to your neighbor, to somebody you know, and say, I know you're going through a challenging circumstance right now, but count it all joy. Separate it to count it. Now, somebody is saying, what's the big deal? Why do we have to count it joy? Why is God putting so much emphasis on learning how to count things a joy? Well, I've already given you a little bit of a hint to why it's so important in the first installment of this series. It's because joy is not happiness. While happiness is dependent on happenings, joy is a spiritual force, an inward force in the spirit. It is the thermostat, while happiness is the thermometer. So if I can learn how to count it all joy, I can set the temperature and the atmosphere around me at all times. We've also learned why it's important, because joy is strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I've got to learn to count it all joy because my joy is my strength. And Satan, knowing this, is always attacking my joy because he knows that by attacking my joy, he might be able to rob me of my strength. But that devil is a liar. I understand how important my joy is. So I've ring fenced my joy right now. I ain't letting no devil steal my joy. I've come to also learn that joy feeds my faith. It feeds my faith with strength. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So therefore, I count it all joy so that my faith can be fed with the strength to overcome the world. Count it all joy. Even as the year is closing out today, I want you to learn to count it all joy. As we're coming to the close of the year, a lot of people are thinking about this, that, and the other, what they didn't achieve, how there's too short a time to achieve the things that they wanted to achieve before. Well, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. God created the heavens and the earth and all of creation in six days. He can still do it. And even if he doesn't do it now, it only means that he has better in store for you. So count it all joy. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Learn how to count it all joy. That's how you survive in the days and in the times that we are living in. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Apply this truth in your life and see a significant turn around. Amen. You're not going to be able to count it all joy if you're not in Christ Jesus. It is his perspective and his revelation that helps us to be able to count it all joy and ultimately be able to enter into the glory predestined for us. So if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment. This is your time. Please repeat these words of prayer after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for giving your life for me. Today, 
I repent of my sin. I believe with my mouth, a heart. I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. By faith, according to your word, right now, I am a new creation in you, Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer, you are indeed born again. You are my brother, you are my sister. And I want to see you grow in the Lord. I want to see you moving from glory to glory and from height to height. Hallelujah. Glory. So please direct message us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email at the church office or visit our website and follow the guidance there to see how you can further grow in the Lord. It's imperative that you are planted in the house of the Lord so that you are able to flourish in the courts of our God. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, we can't close out the service without giving an opportunity for us to give towards the work of the Lord. And we really need your generous and sacrificial giving at this time and in this season. So please take advantage of the instructions that are on the page um, on the screen so that you are able to choose the way most preferred by you in which to give. I pray blessings over every giver and every gift that is given. I pray that even in this season, God will show up for you strong in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. For in the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Glory to God. The year is fast coming to an end, but God is with us. And we count it all joy. Looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Let's close our tonight's service with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for the seed of your word soon. Let it bring forth much fruit in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's share the grace in fellowship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely God's goodness and God's mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you.